Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. We're glad you're here. We're going to get into that. Um, but uh, beforehand, I was just, uh, I don't know, I felt like I'd uh, say some kind of break dice. How's that? And so um, I was looking at uh, church signs. We were cutting up before service about them. But uh, they're just a funny thing on, that people put on uh, church signs. But uh, just one of them that I like, it says, now is a good time to visit our pastors on vacation. So uh, <laughs> I'm, glad we, I'm glad we can't put letters up on our sign. Uh, what, this is my favorite. I've quoted this in here before. But uh, it says, don't let worries kill you. Let our church help. Um, I've been, <laughs> I have preached at some places like that, glory to God. Um, uh, church parking is, uh, uh, church parking only, violators will be baptized, baptized, baptized. All right, John chapter four, you there? And so uh, I just want to share something with you. I want to read a good bit of scripture this morning. I want to read this story. Uh, this has just uh, uh, been on my heart this week, and uh, so just want to. Just uh, go with here. So I want to talk about the woman at the well this morning uh, out of John uh, chapter 4. There's a good bit of verse of scripture here, and we'll just try to break it down and go from there. Um, praise God, I want to get testimony, you know. Uh, I told Kevin I was going to give his testimony because this is, uh, how many knows when you, I have three boys at our house, so when uh, Grant, our firstborn, he's 12 and a half years old, and somewhere around about six years old, he got a, he got a cold or whatever. And so your first child, you're like, oh, you know, we was afraid that, you know, we wasn't going to be able to hear him in the little crib, you know what I'm saying? So we put him in the bed. Uh, and those, and so it took a while at, to get him to exit the bed. And so Asher's number three, but we will give God the glory. He's been in his bed all week long. So praise God. And uh, he come in there last night, and he told me that he had something wrong with his arm. And, uh, you know, he come in there his mom, and uh, he had, I don't know, so I think uh, something uh, like a mosquito or something bit him outside. Um, and so he come in there, and he told me, just looked at him, he held his arm. He said, I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to stay in my bed tonight with this. But I said, buddy, let me, I said, I'm going to believe God with you. And uh, he did, glory to God. So, amen. So, uh, we're excited about that. Glory to God. So, got a king-size bed, but I take up a good portion of it, and it's just, I'm not getting kicked in the face and the neck and all that anymore, so I'm excited about that. So, the back of the household is good. John chapter 4, you there? Hey, hallelujah. Verse 1, then, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, that Jesus uh, made and baptized more disciples than John, um, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of, uh, of Samaria, which is called Sachar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. The King James Version renders that he sat on the well. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria uh, said to him, 
how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me a Samaritan woman for Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans and Jesus answered and said to her if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you give me a drink you would have asked me and I would have given you living water the woman said to him sir you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep where then do you get that living water are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and the and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock and Jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water shall I, that I shall give in him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and whom one you now have is, is, your, is not your husband, is the one you spoke truly. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and, and you Jews uh, say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You um, you worship what you do not know. We we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And this point, his disciple, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one, no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? And the woman, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they, then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, uh, the disciples said to one another, has someone brought him some, uh, anything to eat? And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and, and to, to finish his work. Do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and, he, and gathers fruits for eternal life. Both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, for in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in the woman because of the word of the woman who had testified. He told me all that I'd ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Now they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what we you said, for we ourselves have heard him and know that they are this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Wow, that's a lot of scripture reading, ain't it? I said a mouthful. All right, if you would bow your head, we're going to close. No, I'm like. <laughs>
All right, let's pray right quick, okay? Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. And Father, we just ask, Lord, that you just open our hearts to receive the word of the Lord. And God, help me to preach. Help me to preach good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I, I want to, this. first of all, I, I, this story has just really been on my heart. And so naturally, I'm just going to go through this thing and pull it out by pieces and just will can converse uh, through different parts of it, okay? And so, but I, th- I thought that only John is the one to, re- to record the story of this woman at the well. And I thought that as I begin to just think about this story uh, this week, I thought about that um, when when Abraham got ready to find uh, Isaac a bride, if you will. Uh, Isaac is the only son of his father. Uh, he's the promise. Uh, he, he's not the only son, but he's the promised son. Okay, Isaac is the son of promise. And so when when uh, Abraham gets ready to find a wife uh, for Isaac, uh, that he sent out uh, uh, he sent out his servant, if you. Will and the Bible says that his servant had uh, all of his master's goods. This is a picture of God looking for a bride for Jesus, if you will. Okay, the servant that he sends out is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in the earth building a bride for Jesus. Are you with me now? And notice where he went to look for her. He went to look for her at a well. Listen, when Jesus returns back for his bride, his bride will be hovering at the well, the well of his presence. <laughs> that was good right there. You hear me? She's going to be hovering at the well. She Listen, what determines the return of the Lord is not how bad it is that CNN paints the picture. It's not how bad Fox News tells us. It's not what Russia's doing or, or any other thing that is happening like that. But what determines the return of the Lord is the condition of the church. Is she the bride that has made herself ready that is found in the book of Ephesians and she is that she's hungry for God and when it's the spirit and the bride. See, the Spirit's saying come, but the bride has to join in unison with that song saying come, Lord Jesus. So now that we, we, we can finally see that the Holy Spirit is looking for a bride and Rebecca's the one that comes to the well and, and, and the servant had already said, he had already prayed a prayer and said, God, the, the one that comes to the well and offers me a drink of water, not only me, but offers to my camels a drink of water, that's the one that I know that you've given favor for Isaac. Now Jesus, it, we press forward. Now Jesus is at a well. And here is a lady, a Samaritan woman. She, she's not a, the Jews are not a fan of Samaritans. Otherwise, let's just say this, she's a lower class of society. Come on, help me preach this thing, okay? We got about 40 more minutes to hang out together, so let's enjoy it, okay? <laughs> so so this this lady is she she she's she wasn't raised on the right side of the track. She ain't in the right family lineage. If you with me now, she's not a Jew. She's a Gentile Samaritan woman. And notice when Jesus sent the disciples out in Matthew 10, he said, Go to this house and go to this house, but do not go to a Samaritan house. Now he's on the journey and he tells them, Hey. I tell you what, we're going to make a side trip and I'm going to go to the city I told you not to go to. That lets me know that God's got a plan of destiny hooked up with everybody on the face of the earth. Come on, somebody. He's got a date of destiny set with you. It is his will that not any should perish. He's going to bring something into your lane to remind you just how good he is. He's going to bring somebody into your path to let you know he knows right where
you glad of this? Often when I, when I think about this, I think about in Luke 19, the story of Zacchaeus. Now think about this. Zacchaeus was a man of short stature. He wasn't 6'4". <laughs> I was going to liken him to Cleve, but I ain't going to do that. I done said it. You know what I'm saying? Too late. Man, that's bad, ain't it? I threw him under the bus. God forgive me. We're going to edit that out, though. All right. She's a man of short stature, but listen. God's got, a, God's got a date of destiny with Zacchaeus. And so Zacchaeus is going to need some help to see Jesus because Jesus is going to be coming down the road and there's going to be many people gathered around him and he's not going to see Jesus for who he is. I love that. The language of the King James says that he sought to see Jesus for who he was. That tells me that I can't just see Jesus for how Catherine sees him. Catherine can't see Jesus how her mama sees Jesus. Come on, you got to see Jesus for yourself, friend. You can ride my faith for a while, but my faith ain't gonna take you through your storm. You got to have a real encounter with God that'll take you through the storm. The faith can be in mama and daddy and it can increase in you, but you got to have your personal encounter with God. Hello. When we get to heaven, it ain't going to say all bagless line up and all three of my boys is going to ride in what I've done. No, they have to have a personal encounter with the Lord themselves. And so Zacchaeus has got to have the, he's looking for this encounter. So think about this. Here is a sycamore tree that he's going to climb in. So a seedling falls in the, in the busy roadway there in, 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 in the seedling falls into the ground. Somebody's got to water that seedling. So think about this. I believe this, that an angel left heaven and stood guard over that seedling and that angel looks up and God, why in the world do I stand here day and night protecting this little tree? Why? Because I got a date with a man named Zacchaeus He's short stature. He's going to need that seedling to grow into a mighty tree where he can get up and elevate himself to see me for who he is. Now this lady is at this well. Now notice the time. Jesus said he's sitting there. The, the King James rendered that he sat on the well. So let's just say this. There was a well sitting on top of a well. There was a well of living water sitting on a well of natural water. And the well of living water set as a lid to the well of the natural water. Now she's a Samaritan. Now notice this, the time of day that she's coming out. The Bible says it's a six hour, so she's coming out at noonday. Now, we know this according to Genesis chapter 24 that because when Isaac, remember when, when, when the servant went out to find the bride for Isaac, it said that he came to the well at the time that the women went to gather water, which is in the evening. This was a social event, if you will. They didn't have, they didn't have uh, iPhones to, and social media back then. Hard to believe it, ain't it? How we live without it. You believe it or not, we was raised without, without, a, without a telephone. And the first telephone we had in our house was a party line. That means if your neighbor was on it, you had to wait till they get off. We figured, hey, y'all quit. Y'all, come on now. Shut it up. We trying to call Pizza Hut to get a pizza. I mean, get off the phone. And if you wanted to say something to somebody, you got on your bicycle. 
I better quit. I'm, I'm talking about the old, that was back when we walked to school uphill both ways, snow, you know what I'm saying, down to South Georgia, walking in snow. Quit, quit all that. She's out here, it, it should be in evening time, So, but she's showing up at noonday in what would have been a social gathering for the ladies to converse about what's going on. She's showing up alone. This tells me the condition of her life. She feels like a castaway. Events that have happened in her life have pushed her to where she feels like she can't connect to nobody. The events that have happened in her life makes her feel like she's not worthy of conversating with anybody. Now she's isolated herself. <laughs> but listen to this, when you feel isolated and you feel like nobody else cares, I'm gonna tell you that there's somebody who cares because he paid an ultimate price for you and he longs to have fellowship with you regardless of what you got in your life. Now Jesus is sitting there and she's coming up to Jacob. Now notice that the Bible says that it's Jacob's well that she's going to lower a water pot in to receive water. To me, this speaks of, of the Jacob life. Jacob was a swindler, a cheater. You know, Abraham lied about Sarah, his granddaddy. Then, then Isaac lied about Rebekah. And now when Jacob comes, that generational thing is passed down. He's a full-blown liar and a cheater. Are we in the book? If we read the Bible during the week, it helps Sundays go a whole lot easier. Come on, somebody. Especially Wednesday night. Come on, all right? Hey, so, so he's a full-blown liar and cheater, but notice this. This is what, this, so it's my message, so I'm, I'm preaching it like this. But when Jacob went to receive the blessing, he didn't believe that Isaac would bless him for the way he was. So he put hair on his body and deceived his father and tricked him and made him believe that he was somebody else. This is the same way you and I still do the same thing. Well, if I had a life like Catherine's got, God would probably bless me. The reality is God, God wants to bless you, friend. We don't have to dress up and put on masquerades and facades and everything else to get our Father to accept us. He's already accepted us. When Jesus went to the cross, he was saying, hey, I'm pleased with you and I want to accept you the way you are. We say all the time, come to church the way you are, but then when they come the way they are, we don't want them here. I better quit. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what this speaks of, he, she's going to Jacob's well. This is a life that, um, that she's trying to be accepted. She don't fit in. She's coming out at the noonday. It should have been a social time to her. It should have been a time of fellowship, but she's isolated. Now notice this in verse 7. Jesus asked this woman for a drink. I find this, I find this astonishing because I don't believe Jesus is asking her to lower that pitcher into that well and give him a drink of what's in that well. I believe he's asking her something different. I want a drink. I believe what he's saying is, I want what you have in exchange for what I have. I want your loneliness so that I can set you in a family. I want your brokenness for my wholeness. God, I can't preach this no more. I want your poorness so you can have my riches. This is everything of the cross of grace and mercy. You, grace is you get what you didn't, you get what you don't deserve. And mercy is you don't get what you do deserve. 
We all deserve death, but he loved us, friend. Are you with me now? We all don't deserve to walk there, but yet God chose us. So, he's at, he, so what he's at, he's, look at this. Another thing to notice in this text is neither one of them drank any water, but both of them less satisfied. Because what she did was she traded her old life that she had bought into that I'll try everything in the world. I'll try to find my identity in my job. I'll try to find my identity in my husband. And she found no identity, but once she partook of him and he partook of her, both left satisfied. I love the fact, look at this. Let's read one more. I'm going to read you one more verse of scripture. Then we're going to go ahead and read Mondays, okay? So you can take tomorrow off. <laughs> we go to church. Where's my Bible at? Somebody see my Bible. <laughs> Isaiah 55 verse 1. Hold up. Ho, hold up. Everyone who thirsts come to the waters. And you have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend, look at this. Why do you spend money on for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? All of us are guilty of this in this room. We do it every single day. Friend, listen, what we have to come, when I have to realize the life, what is going to make, what is going, what is going to be the difference in my life? It is not by how much money I can make. I believe in leaving an inheritance. Are you with me now? But if I don't train my kids, they'll squander the inheritance. We've got to leave something more real than just finances and land and houses. That can only satisfy the natural man. What are we going to leave in the realm of the spirit, which is what me is for eternal? Listen, the house that I have is going to be gone away one day. It don't matter how great you can build it, it's still going to pass away. The only thing that's eternal is the life we build with God. Why do we spend money on what is not bread? Listen, if money was the answer, Hollywood would be happy tonight. How could Elvis Presley, who had everybody around him say, I feel so lonely, I could die. Because there's a void inside of man that he's looking for something. There's something in the due north of your heart that you're searching for. And at the end of every beer, at the end of every joint, of every drug, or every relationship, there's still that void. And what Jesus is saying, listen, you've had five husbands and you couldn't find it in neither one of them. And the one you're shacked up with, you're just afraid of covenant now because you've had five failed marriages. Now we don't know, listen, and any, any, any way to preach that is to be speculating on why she had the five husbands. I grew up in the Pentecostal church and we preached her as a plain out hoe. That's a garden tool for the kids. That's what we preached her as. We preached her as a loose lady. But it could have been other issues in her life like she couldn't have a child. Regardless of, she felt thrown away. Why do we spend money? Why do we work so tirelessly to, to, to spend money and to buy that which does not satisfy? This is the condition this woman was in. 
She had tried everything else, but she couldn't be satisfied. Friend, what I'm trying to tell you this morning, regardless of what you believe, the only thing that's really going to satisfy you is a life in God. Did you hear what I said? Can I get somebody that has tried something else in your life to testify to me right now that the only true fulfilling thing that will make you feel whole is a life in God? Hello, I tried everything before I was 18 years old. Listen, you can get just as drunk as you want to. Your problems still exist. Hello, and you don't have no peace the next morning when you wake up. But I'm telling you, a life in God, friend, you can live in the greatest, you can be in the greatest storm of your life and still have peace in your life. Hello, money can't buy peace. Fame can't buy peace. Well, if I could just, if I could just build that house, we would be happy. With that house is going to come a bigger mortgage, more stress. I remember sitting in high school saying, if I can just get outside the walls of this school, my God, they are killing us. If I can just get out of this school, life's going to be good. Well, let me tell you, with the SUV came to payment. With the mortgage came to payment. And now I look back and say, oh, what a day it would be. <laughs> Just to be riding daddy's checkbook again in the school. Right. So why do we spend money? Listen, he says, listen carefully. Let your soul, listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And the sure mercies of David indeed have given him as a witness to the people. A leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation, this is very powerful, that you do not know and nations who you do not know shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel for His glorified you. So listen, the only true peace, this lady tried to find it in relationships. She's had five husbands. She's shacked up with one now. What I love is, is when Jesus goes to give her the water, He goes to give her the water, but before He gives her the water, He identifies the issue in her life. He doesn't just leave her hanging. He identifies the issue. He says, hey, go call your husband. Go call your husband. And then notice what she says, I, I don't have a husband. For rightly you've answered, you've answered correctly. The one you're shacked up with is not your husband, but you've had five husbands you've been married to. Now, I love this text right here. Notice what she says. For I perceive that you are a prophet. Then she starts changing the subject to worship. Which is what you and I do when God starts communicating with us about our issues. Now listen, there's not a person in this room that ain't had other husbands or other wives. This is other attachments or the things that you're married to other than God. Hello. Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's in, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2. Maybe I'll get lucky. He said, I labor, I'm laboring hard. I'm, I'm, fighting, I'm laboring for you that I may present you as a chaste virgin with one husband unto the Lord. The goal of God is that you and I, our eye would be single that our whole body would be full of light. Other words, we got one husband and that's Jesus. So 
what she did is she trusted in other things. Your husband can be anything. It can be your money. Some, like Psalms 20 verse 7 says, some trust in money. It says some trust in horses. Some in chariots, but we shall remember the name of the Lord. It's amazing where we put our trust. What Jesus is identifying to her is, you have placed your identity, your whole being in whom your husband is. It's not fulfilling to you. She cannot receive her identity just as my wife. She's got to receive her identity as a child of the living God who is married to me. Let's move on. Right here, let's read verse 10 through 14 of that John chapter 4. Well, she says, if you knew the gift of God, if, he said, if you knew the gift of God, who it was, you'd give me a drink. I would, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Then the woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Jesus says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give, um, it shall be a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I believe what she was, what Jesus was saying to her, the life, the life of drinking from this well, striving. Listen, and you and I, we're all guilty of this in this room, striving to please God. Because we're in the Bible Belt. We're, we're, I'm telling you, we're soaked with religion. And a little bit with relationship. Well, where you got the church, boy, down here, well, it's about relationship, but not religion. But we ate up with religion. And we don't understand relationship. Because when you slip and make a mistake, you feel like you're out of the race. That's religion. That's never relationship. Because I make a mistake, she don't come home and say, get your clothes and get out. Does your children not make mistakes or, or, or am I got the unlucky? But even if, even if they make mistakes, that, does not, that still doesn't make them not my child. Because why are they my child? Because of relationship. And this is what God was identifying with Jesus before he ever did a miracle, before he ever said no to the devil. When he was baptized in the river Jordan, he, the Bible says the heavens opened. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What he was saying is, Jesus, I want your relationship to be full of identity. You are my son. And I'm well pleased with you because you're my son. I'm not going to be pleased with you because you raised a widow's son up in name. Because if you think I'm pleased because of that, you're going to live your life under performance instead of relationship. I want you to raise the widow woman's son in the city of Nain in Luke chapter 7 out of relationship and out of your identity as a son of God. Hello, I'm preaching this morning. I'm receiving my identity as a son. I don't believe I'm loved by God because I'm a preacher. I don't believe I'm loved by God because I serve on the worship team. I believe I'm loved by God because I believed in his son and I asked his son to come in his life and my life and now I'm a beloved son of God. Amen. What he's saying is you don't have to get your identity from religion anymore. I want you to rest. This well you have to come to every day to try to be satisfied. I want you to drink a drink of water that completely satisfies you and you can rest.
there is a rest for the child of God. There's no rest in religion. In religion, remember the priest had to minister daily. Daily offered sacrifices unto God. But Hebrews says once Jesus offered this sacrifice unto God, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Relationship provides rest and enables me to take a seat. See, religion tries to make me perform to try to make it to heaven. I'm not trying to make it to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And if you can receive it, I'm already addressed in heaven. I just happen to be caught up in two worlds. We're not trying to make it to heaven, friend. Boy, it's awful quiet. You grew up in the church. I did this how we closed it. Father, we just pray you give us grace and mercy tonight and we pray that the rapture don't happen before we come back. We don't know if we're going to come back in this building before God comes snatch us away. I'm a, we were scared to death. I remember not living right before God when I was a teenager and I, I was crying one day to my friend. I told him, I said, we ain't never going to be able to get married and have children. Lord's come for 2000. We graduated in 97. We got to do it quick. We got to make it all happen. I said, you know he's coming. Listen, he can come back at any moment. But he's come before 2000. I'm, I'm off on a sidetrack here. 2000 Y2K come in. I was working in the engineering department of Alma Telephone Company. And we had, every, we had everybody, all, all staff was on hand. For the time it struck midnight, the whole plant's going down, meteors gonna fall out, the sky planes is dropping. I mean, we going, but some the planes is coming down, but the church is going up, rapturing out of here. And I was saved in in 1998. What I got to say? Had everybody up there, we didn't have nothing to do but eat cookies. Nothing happened. Listen to this. You had five husbands. This also speaks of living life in the natural, living for the five senses. The one she's living with now is six. Six is the number of man. That means she has went as far as she could possibly go in that relationship. She was at the end of herself. This is when people change right here, when you get into yourself. When you get tired of going to the well and the well don't fix you anymore, it's time to look for something else, friend. Listen, did you hear what I said? I said, if you went to the club Saturday night last night and you shook it all night long and you woke up hungover this morning, if it didn't fix it, I'm here to tell you this morning, go to a different well because I know one that can fix it. Hello. She's at the end of herself. Now look at verse 21 when she talks about worship. This is what she says. She said, well, we know we got to worship at this place. Jesus is telling her, woman, listen here. The hour's coming when the true worshipers are going to arise and worship God in spirit and truth and they're not going to worship in this mountain or that mountain. They're going to live a lifestyle of worship. Worship is not, listen. If worship is what you just done this morning, we got a long ways to go. <laughs> you know, I, I like him. Praise and worship's like getting on a plane. You know, we listen to the pilot. The pilot is the worship leader. Our worship leader's in the Bahamas living the life. My God, let him get back. No, play. <laughs> 
he sent us this picture out on the, you know, he's getting on the boat or whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, man, hey, that's nice, man. He's going to the Bahamas. And Dusty sent a text back and said, I hope the boat runs out of toilet paper. Get back, now, please. We all want to rest and go to the Bahamas. No, I love it. I hope they had a great trip. Listen, I thought the worship was phenomenal this morning. There's a well in you. It's coming forth. And what this does, listen, what this does when someone, listen, a lot of times we don't see what other people have until they have the opportunity to stand up there and give it. There's wells all over this place right here. And if the church is built on me, if I go down, we stop. But if church is built on Jesus and it's built on the family, somebody else will rise to the occasion. Listen, other people can hit clean up too. Well, you ain't the only clean up hitter we got. Hannah, 16 years old. Where's Hannah? Where's she go? She upstairs? Where's Hannah at? She's up. 16 years old? 15 or 16 years old. Man, it was good. So listen, what he's saying is, we're not going to worship here or there. True worshipers are going to come, and it's going to be a lifestyle for these people. There's a lifestyle of worship being established. Tara didn't just worship God when she got here this morning. She lives a lifestyle of worshiping God. And notice this, it didn't say that God is seeking worship, but he's seeking worshipers. He's seeking you. You're the person he's seeking. Just as much as you're longing for him, he's twice longing for you. Let me say this too. This speaks of her view of church to me. Why is not the lost, okay, if we know Jesus is the answer, and here's what the Bible says, that he is the desire of all nations. That means the person in the club that is swallowing the vodka just as hard as they can do it, they're desiring Jesus. They just don't know what they're looking for. But notice what her view of church was is that there was a certain style or a way that it had to be done to worship God. I'm one heck of a worship leader in the shower. I don't know if you know that. The Bible says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You've got to worship God in your house, friend. You've got to worship God in your vehicle. Catherine was admonishing this morning. Listen, listen, you can't, you can't wait on the praise team to take you there. You got to go there yourself. If you go there yourself on a continual basis, when you come in here, what what when you when you start opening your mouth because you live in that place, man, you'll start lifting this plane up higher. And that's how we learn. That's how we learn. Listen, you never know the person, what they're going through that's going to be on the same road with you that came in this week. They could be at their last place. Are you with me? But because, you're, because you've been praising God all morning long, when you come here, your praise will start lifting them right up in the presence of God. That depression will begin to fall off on your road because why? You're leading worship on your road. Someone said, well, I, I want to be on the worship team. If you can't worship down here, you'll never worship up there. So this was her view of church. She had a very religious view of church. Well, listen, church is not, uh, uh, church should be fun. Uh, bottom line, it should be a blast. If it's not a blast, you're in the wrong church. You got to be able to laugh in church. Hello. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of depression. 
It's full of seriousness. I had to learn this, that God could laugh. I used to be real serious. Especially if I was young, evangelist, whatever, and I grabbed the mic, I'd be, boy, I mean, I'd pull it, wouldn't I? I'd be, we'd be in tongues for half an hour, then, my God, we'll see what he wants to do. You know? Listen, what I've learned, listen, in the Father's house in Luke 15, there's music and dancing. There's joyfulness going on. And all of heaven is rejoicing this morning. You know why? Because believers are coming into the kingdom right now, and angels are rejoicing because of that. Nonstop, there's a party going on in the kingdom of heaven. So this was her view of church. A lot of people on the outside, listen, they're afraid to come in because of what they already believe the way the church is. We're not a group of people who have it all together. We're just like this lady. This lady is a picture of the Gentile church that has tried everything to fulfill its needs and yet now finds the living water. Now notice what God does. God doesn't say, listen, what you need to do, notice Jesus didn't say, what he didn't say do is listen, I need you to get to the tabernacle and sit down for 12 months and learn the four gospels and try to, and, and I need you to really try to get an understanding of the book of Romans I've been preaching since I was 18 and couldn't explain the book of Romans. Anybody else up in here? Romans, the mystery of the grace of God. Try to look, learn the book of Ephesians, the mystery of the bride of Christ, which most theologians believe that John's gospel and Ephesians is the most deepest spiritual book of the Bible. This, this, no, what he said was, what she did was she turned around and she went back to her city. She left the water pot there. That, mean, that tells me that she was, not, she was done drinking what she was drinking. She's going back to the city and says, come, let me tell you of a man, notice what she said, who told me everything I ever did. Now I'm going back right where I was Wednesday night. Stay with me, I'm fixing to land a plane. She didn't just go back and tell the highlights of her story. The reason why I believe people don't want to come in is because the only thing we want to show them is the highlight of the story. I want to show you I'm John Bagley, 37 years old, 202 much pounds weighing in. Got a beautiful wife and three gorgeous boys. Was saved February the 2nd of 1998 and filled with the Holy Ghost of heaven three months later. Preached the gospel all over the place, been in other continents preaching the gospel. That's what we want to tell you. We don't want to tell you the whole story. What gives people faith is when you tell them the whole story. When I know that you was a man addicted to drugs, but God has brought you through that, that gives me faith to believe that God can reach into my situation. If God can turn your marriage around, maybe, maybe you've been divorced three times, but now you're happily married. I need to know that to pull me through my situation. People can't identify with a church full of halos and a bunch of pristine, clean people. What they need is people with real life issues who know a real God who, who has real breakthrough that can bring them through the storm. 
That's what I need to know. I need to know the story that you were sick on your deathbed and some kind of way the church prayed and we got faith and God brought breakthrough. I gotta know that. Yes. Come tell your man that told me everything. I'm gonna tell you what he did. He gave me some living water, which holy smoke is awesome. I mean, my God, I mean, but let me tell you this. I got to tell you the whole story. He also told me that I had had five marriages that had failed and the one I was in right now that, I, hey, I was sacked up. But listen to this. Here's what's crazy. Even, even though I was sacked up, I can't get no help up in here. Let me tell you this. I had, a, I had on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, I can't remember, this is probably seven years ago, six, seven years ago. There was a couple that came in to our church. Was not married. Shacked up. Now, I grew up as a young Pentecostal boy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, it's, it's holding us a hell. There ain't no halfway, ain't no gray areas. It's black and white. Get a tattoo, you're going to burn. Songs like this, if your hair's too long, there's sin in your heart. Get it cut today. Make a brand new start. Y'all, one, one of my good friends, I mean, he'd tell you he's raised up. He'd go to the beach swimming. Pair of Levi's. You get you a pair of 505's wet and a, and a, and a, and a flannel shirt wet, you, you probably gonna drown. You can call it holiness, I call it crazy. Put him right by the lifeguard station and tell him, look at him right here. Them 505s is soaked. He's going down. Any current. The stuff we believe, man. Come on. God's not looking at the outward heart. He's not looking at the outward what you got on. He's looking at the inward. You can have, you listen, you can have everything to conform to the religious rules of the church but in, and have a wicked heart. God help me right here. I'm ADD bad and it just jumped me. I'm just saying, I ain't gonna lie to you. So I'm gonna pull it back right here. I don't forgot what I was even talking about. Lord help me. I ain't anointed no more. What was I saying? You don't even know what I was saying. You weren't listening. <laughs> we, she wasn't even listening. Huh? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost and Clee. In ministry school, they teach you don't never do that. Sometimes you got to pull it back. <laughs> this couple comes in, shacked up. Not only that, they got a child together. The child is born deaf. He come to our church, want me to pray for the child, ask God to heal the child. Deaf ears. Now, let me just say this. Some preachers say it ain't so. Well, said God ain't going to heal that child because of the condition you had the child. <laughs> Let me tell you this. The fact that the child shows up tell me God's got a plan and destiny because nothing don't show up that he ain't got a plan and a purpose for. <laughs> this is why Jesus did most of his healing out in the street, not in the church. Because he struggled with the religious leaders when he was in the church. 
because when he was raising the dead and everything else, the preachers inside the church, their main concern wasn't the fact that the dead was getting up. They was concerned that John the Baptist, I mean John and the other disciples was eating with Jesus and they was eating with unwashed hands. Let me tell you something, friend. If you got a healing to break out cancer, they're not worried about if you eating and washing your hands or not. Come on. Hello. So what, what do you do? We brought it, got them to come up or whatever. I ain't got time to preach this, but I didn't say, oh God in heaven, would you have mercy upon this family today and touch his baby's ears. That is not how I prayed. I put all on the end of my fingers and said, you deaf and dumb spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of this child. I'd love to tell you the lightning bolt hit the front of the church. Pow! The child was here and you know, everybody run around and we did a Jericho run around the church and went home. It's not what happened. As a matter of fact, we looked like a crazy person. I'm hollering deaf and dumb spirit come out the child. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound real proper way to pray or whatever. So anyhow, we get a call three days later after prayer. The family calls and said that the child, the phone rang and the, and the, and the child was asleep and the, and the child woke up. She go back. They take the child to Savannah, Georgia and get tests on the ears and the child has 100% hearing in both ears. Now I'd love to tell you this, that that family came back and wanted to receive Jesus and be baptized and you know to put their name on the church roll book we never saw them again but you know what that lets me know that what God was screaming out to them that day listen I'm not healing the baby but I 100% love you and I'm trying to give you a date with destiny the people outside this church that's at Walmart that backed up hook to a that backed up and hooked up to a fishing boat this morning. They're looking for Jesus. Why are they not coming to the church? Well, I done tried that. I've done tried that. No, what you did was you tried the organization. You didn't try Jesus. The Bible says in Psalms 34 and 8, taste of the Lord and see that he's good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. They got to know the whole story. God did not hide the story of these men. For surely if I'm going to use Peter and I'm going to let him stand up and preach the first message at the day of Pentecost, I'm not fixing to write, I'm not fixing to write in my storyline that he could not even have the faith to stand up to a teenage girl around a fire drum. But that's the story of his life. Remember when Jesus told him, he said, he said Lord, he said, I'll go to the cross with you tonight. We'll all die tonight. Jesus said, hey, Peter, calm down. You ain't going to go nowhere. Matter of fact, before the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. I imagine what Peter looked around and told John. He said, man, he's, he's tripping. He, he, he knows I'm the man. But what happened before daylight come, he denied him three times. Jesus never gave up, never gave up on him. After Peter fell and denied him, when he heard that rooster crow, the Bible says he returned to what he always knew. He returned to his past, and he got in fishing. When Jesus resurrected, the first place he shows up is on the sandy shores. And John hollers, that's the Lord. 
And he told Peter, he he didn't have this conversation. I cannot believe that you blowed it, son. You know, I want to I want to use you, but you've done you failed me so many times. I mean, you done cut the guy up up there in the garden when I mean they come to arrest me. You pull a sword, I cut his ear off. You deny me three times. I can't trust you, Peter. He never pointed out his problem. He never pointed out his issue. He just says simply, if you love me, feed my sheep. Now let me I'm done right here. But how can I evangelize? How can I evangelize the gospel on my job? What I found out, people don't really care what 2 Kings chapter 3 has got to say. They just need to know, they just got to have hope. Maybe what they need is a Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of hope, plan of peace, and expect it in. Maybe what they need to know is John 3, 16. That's still the most powerful verse we'll ever learn. And won't never dig, dig to the depth of it. So what you have to do is you have to take your story. Listen, what's anointed in your life is anything that you've digested and you've fed and it's become part of who you are. The reason why Jesus could take bread and break it and feed many is because he was the bread of life that came down from heaven. He broke his life and fed them. Are you with me? So if what you have, if you've come through a storm, Anything that you, listen, in any area that you've been beat up on, Jesus has got authority over healing because he received 39 stripes upon his back. The areas that you've been striped in, God wants to give you power to overcome that so that you can set other people free in that area. You are a warehouse of seeds. You are all preachers in this room, not just me, not just Catherine, not just Suzanne, not just Miss Kathy. You are all preachers in here. And you preach your message. You tell the story of the man who told you everything you've ever did. What's amazing to me is God knew all of my mistakes, all of my shortcomings. He already knew that in advance and yet he still chose me and said, I'm going to use him to preach the gospel. When the world and everybody said, hey, I would not select that one. He chooses us. Friend, listen, what he wants to do is cover that well of everything we're trusting beside of him. You go up there and play for me right there. It'll make you nervous real good, won't it? I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> huh? You know what? He was setting as a lid to that well. What he was selling to that woman, listen, quit drinking from that right there. I'm, I, I'm tired of you being wore out. Don't drink from that anymore. Don't drink from religious standards that make you never feel like you can live up to the mess. You can well because I don't fast three days a week. I guess I'm not holy because I don't know as much of the Bible as Junior does. I can never preach. That's a well, friend, that we drink from all the time because we made a mistake. Because you got angry and lost it and you said a word that you that, that is that is totally the opposite of who you say you are. We get on the sideline and say, you know what, I can ne- I can't do this. Instead of just living from a place of rest like a child. Do you think that listen, Grant don't have, he's not worried is the light bill gonna be paid? He's not worried that. He's not, hey, he is not sitting there thinking, I don't know if we're going to have something to eat because he knows his daddy fitting to go eat. 
This is what Jesus is saying. Look, I want you to look at the sparrow. Look at them. They neither toil nor work, yet their heavenly Father clothes them and feeds them and takes care of them. Quit drinking from the well of worry and trust that God's going to take care of us. What if I die? What if I get sick? What if, what if this happens? What's going to happen? What's going to happen to my boys? What if, hey, throw all those what ifs and quit drinking from that well. Drink from the well of God's going to bless me. He's going to take care of me. I'm going to live three score and ten. He came to cover up that well. Listen, woman, listen. You are not fixing to draw that pail down in there another time. Because listen, what you pull up right there is not going to satisfy you. You're going to have to come back tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. But what I'm fixing to deposit in your life is going to start today. And that well's going to get deeper. It's going to increase as you commune with me. And your life is forever going to be changed. See, I was saying... In 1998, when I said yes to God, I never dreamed there would be a well this rich because I grew up in church. And to be honest, I was, I, listen, we had good church. I mean, my, I, my preacher could preach and throw down, my God, four times better than I can. Listen, it was a, but just like anything. And you know how many knows this, that as we progress, we're going to grow in more knowledge of the Father. And revelation is going, and truth is going to progress us, and we'll be establishing the present truth, and we'll be thinking 30 years from now. I can't believe I used to believe that way. Think about it. 30 years ago, we didn't have a worship song to take us into the presence of God. All we had is Keith Green trying to sing How Great and How Beautiful Thou Art. You know what I'm saying? But look at the revelation of the Father coming through song now. That now we don't just have to sing about God, we get to sing to God. Imagine where we're going at in the next 30 years if the Lord tarries into the heart of God. Listen, friend, this thing is never meant to be hard. The Christian life was never meant to be difficult. I mean, going through life, getting beaten, battered on, beat down. No, it's not meant to be that. It's meant to be joyful, awesome, and just hanging out with God. Church gets sometimes bored, but I'm telling you, hanging out with God never gets bored. There's an adventure in Christ. gives her this well she runs back to a city and the Bible says many believed on their report think about it how did you come how did you get in church how did you get saved how did you get here this morning you didn't come to this church because you got a brochure in your letter with this good looking preacher down here in Sparks saying I want to invite you to Cornerstone you got to this church because you're in relationship with somebody who loves this place and you got born again into the kingdom because you developed a relationship with somebody that loved God. And they told you their story. Why are you here, Pate? Because Jesse told you your, his story. You've seen their life. You've been a part of their lives. You've seen that. You've seen high times and you've seen low times. But you've always seen a man that says Christ is due north for this family. Listen, we ain't always perfect, but this is what we do have. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God the best we can through the high times and through the low times. It ain't always been cookies and creams. We sat there last night and I was telling my, listen, God has blessed Catherine and I a tremendous in the 15 years we've been together. If the next 15 years, are, I, mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it. 
Father, I pray today, stand with me. I gotta quit. I want you to know this. Listen. You say, how do I how do I fix my problem? You take your problem to the well, friend. Listen to me. You take it to the well. You take your marriage to the well. You take, you take it to the well. You say, you don't understand, preacher. I got this going on in my life. I'm addicted to this. Take your addiction to the well. Can I get a witness up in here? Don't fall down on the chicken right now. You take it to the well. And you just simply say this, God, I'm about sick and tired of drinking from this right here. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of getting, I'm tired of getting my flesh fixed on this right here that leaves me empty. Let me tell you, how many knows this? How many knows Mick Clay had this conversation? We was talking about this. Why can't people just quit doing dope? It's fun. How, how many believe sin's fun? Raise your hand. Half y'all. Y'all know y'all didn't have fun in sin. The Bible says sin is fun for a season. Here's the deal. Sin goes down like a bowl of ice cream. Whoa! But it turns to rat poisoning once it gets on the inside of you. But here's the kingdom. The kingdom goes down like ice cream and it sets in you like ice cream and it gets better every day. That sin and addiction is the counterfeit of the kingdom. I'm done right here, but Jesus looked at him. Remember when, they, remember when Peter and them got back? They got back from KFC and they had Jesus a three-piece crispy meal. And Jesus... Jesus told him this. My God, I feel that right now. Crispy chicken, Father. Lord, have mercy, God. Oh, Jesus, I feel you, Lord. Listen, remember when they got back and Jesus said, and Peter said, oh my God, he's talking to the woman. And they conversed a minute. I ain't finna say nothing. I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna say it right here. But then Jesus turned around and said, I have food that you guys know not of. Peter looked around and said, well, hey, did one of y'all already give him the dinner? I mean... No, that word food right there, if you look it up, it'll go back to the word nutrients. And the word nutrients that is used there for nutrients is translated kingdom. What he's saying is I got a kingdom feast, boys, that you don't know of. I got a kingdom feast. You went down there and you got the three-piece dinner and that's, that's going to be awesome right here. But you know what? About 10 hours from now, you're going to need another one of those. But I got a kingdom feast that will sustain you for the rest of your life. Friend, I'm telling you right now, I'm living proof. An 18-year-old boy jacked up if my mom and if my dad was if my mom was standing here today, she would tell you I had more problems. As a matter of fact, I, I called one of our engineers the other day that, that I used to work with, and I told him about how bad this guy cussed. And I, I told him, I said, man, he cussed worse than I did. He said, I don't believe it. I'm telling you right now, God can change your life if you give him the chance. All he wants is the opportunity. All what Jesus is asking you right now, give me a drink. I want a drink of that pain. I want a drink of that depression. I want a drink of that loneliness. I want a drink of that addiction. And in exchange, I'm going to give you a drink of the life you've only dreamed possible. Raise your hands. I'm going to bless you right here. Father, I thank you for this group of people today. 
I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every life, every family in this room today, God. Help us to quit drinking things that do not sustain us. We say today we want to drink from the water of life in Jesus' name. Father, give me grace to take every issue to you. And I thank you today that you're giving me the great exchange. You're exchanging my guilt, my shame, my pain for a life of freedom in you. In Jesus' mighty name, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's bless him. Come on, shout like you've been set free. Hallelujah. Can we play some?